Thug Earthlets. My name is Conrad, alongside my friend Fox, and this is the 106th episode of Space Spinner 2000, a podcast where two Americans, it's only going to get more, where two Americans try to make sense of the UK's own galaxy's greatest comic, 2000 AD, one month of progs at a time. This episode, we're covering 2000 AD, featuring that Judge Dread guy for November and December 1983, progs 342 to 345. This week... Johnny Alpha fights a necromancer, Dread heads to a rumble, Slain does the bull dance, and it's time for more Big Jobs. Oh, dude, I'm so into Big Jobs. Always, yeah. Love my quake. Slain doing the bull dance, feeling the flow, working it. Um, <laughs> if you want to <laughs> read along with us, you'll find the comics we're covering today in Dread the Complete Case Files 7, Rogue Trooper Tales of New Earth 2, Slain Warriors Dawn, The Complete Nemesis, The Warlock 1, and Strontium Dog SD Agency Files 2. God, so many books. I mean, you know, you gotta, you gotta read up, man. Otherwise, you're just gonna be ignorant and be asking questions all these times. Just like Judge Dredd is in Thrill One, Judge Dredd. <laughs> Dumb. Alright. Golf uh, clap. <laughs> script robot John Wagner and Alan Grant as TV Grover. Art robot Cam Kennedy and Ian Gibson as Emberton. Lettered robot Tom Frame. Oh man! So, Inside the Isocubes yeah. processing center. It's uh. So so this is this is Cam Kennedy's first time on Judge Dredd. We've been seeing him do a lot of Rogue Trooper so far, and uh, and and the VCs of course. Um, we're at the Hall of Justice interrogation cubes, where thousands of citizens a day are questioned and generally arrested. <laughs> God, it's. It's interesting because, like, I imagine there's just a lot of these circular rooms, but there's just people sitting on benches yeah. outside of numbered doors waiting to get just yelled <laughs> it's at. It's crazy. Presumably there's a giant queue leading into it as well, which is also kind of ridiculous. Um, oh, God. Yeah. Suspect Henders is called into Cube 4, where he is greeted by Judge Dredd. Like oh, I said. Oh, man, not yeah. Judge Dredd. <laughs> Henders is spending way more money than he makes in a year. And they want to know why. But Henders realizes that Dredd actually doesn't know. And so he's able to avoid giving anything away during the questioning and thus is released. And in true Judge Dredd fashion, it's just like, oh, yeah, dude, you're totally released. We've seen him do this like four times. Yeah, it's the classic Judge Dredd. Um, like, oh, yeah, you're free to go. By the way, how did you hide those bodies sort of thing? <laughs> so. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Or as I like to call it, the uh, the Columbo, where you leave, where you let the suspect go and then catch them incriminating themselves in the act because <laughs> they just can't help it. Yeah, that's the that's the first kind. That that's like type two Columboing. But anyhow, um, <laughs> don't make me talk about Columbo. Uh, but yeah, so yeah, so Dread has Henders follows. It soon becomes clear that he's that he's got a job working as a shop window dummy for most of the day, but after that he works as a table boy at a diner, and then at night he's a bed he's a professional bed tester. He's got three jobs. And each one he's got a different pseudonym. That's right. Yeah, that's yeah. Well, he's you know, he's got them under fake ID so it doesn't get flagged in the uh, city computers. Because having three jobs is monstrous in a city where even in the aftermath of the apocalypse war, unemployment has rised back up to eighty-seven percent. Which is like, oh my god! <laughs> like, you remember after the apocalypse war, like, like uh, Judge Magruder was like, yeah, you're gonna have to learn to work again, like. That's done now, you know? We're almost at the end of 83, and it's just like, nah, we got nothing for you. Go back to Jesus. go back to heading eggs into a garbage can or whatever, washing <laughs> up. Put, yeah, putting dirt <laughs> all over your plates so that you can wash them, so that you can dirty them again, so that yeah. you can wash them. Henders incriminates himself more by saying that he's applying for a weekend job and gets taken away to the cubes. I mean, but how did he find all that time to spend that 30000 Oh, that's wah wah. <laughs> I really like this story just as a little like slice of life in Mega City One, just one shot kind of thing, you know? Mm. Judge sort of Dredd does these one shots well. Yeah, and like, it's one of these things where, you know, Dredd's barely even in it. You know, like any judge could have done this, but it's just mm. a fun way of just like what kind of crimes people actually do in Mega City One, you know? 
apparently having jobs. <laughs> yep. So after that, Ian Gibson is back on Dread for the first time since Prague t- uh, two twenty one in July of nineteen eighty one with the uh, the Stooky Glanders. Do you remember that story with like the aliens whose glands let people live forever? Um, no, it was a long time ago. Um, so we open with a news report about how there's a new weapon in the judge's arsenal, the Manta Prowler tank. It's pretty and sweet looking. It's pretty dope. Yeah, it's real fast. It's well armored. Yeah, it's got four bikes, uh, judges on bikes in it. Just and then, waiting. So they take four judges off the street and just stick them in this floaty thing. I mean, yeah. I guess you're just going to find crime all the yeah, time. Yeah, I mean, so. I feel like they'll, like, since it's faster than a, and can travel bet, you know, more directly than a judge in a bike, it means they can respond to high, to high, high value crimes or whatever. <laughs> Tip of the spear, man. Ooh. Um, so yeah, so in Manta 144, uh, we see Dread aboard, and they're responding to a bunch of Juves. Uh, when when it's revealed that they're pretty heavily armed, the Manta buries them knee deep in riot foam. The Mega City boot. <laughs> it's so great. And then yeah. then he's kind of questioned about like, hey, what do you think of these hover tanks? And he's like, bah, machines. <laughs> Dread hates robots. We all know that. We've known it for <laughs> since the beginning, pretty much. But yeah, he's like, it's fine. But listen, I'm a judge, and I could do the law with a stick. Um, pretty much he, he does notice that like all these jubes are pretty like he he's worried about all those jubes and he's got a sixth sense that there's a rumble brewing and that's in fact true as all over the city gangs are gathering the uh the Bernie beasley block bad boys the james <laughs> james dean block jubes without a cause the so morgan great. fairchild flamingos <laughs> The uh, the T Dan Smith Roy Ar- Orbison Juve Alliance the Bruce Which... Kent Bombers and the Lop Sang Rampant Beast Pack they're all headed for Sector Two Thirty the Jungle. But the big stars of the show, of course, are the Bob Marks Block Y Bobs. I don't know what this Y thing is. No, I don't either. I think it stands it does... for youth, maybe. But because like there were those mutants that were like the Y Shanty, if you recall. Yeah. Um, like I and these guys are the Y. But I, I try to look up like gang, and then I put a Y and a hyphen in it in Google, and I get nothing. So I'm I'm I'm, I'm stoked for anybody to explain it to me. Um, but they go to grab some old rad tractors that are just sort of abandoned, I guess, like somewhere. They're just massive killdozers. Yeah, they they grab these killdozers and they're headed to the jungle. The rumble in the jungle. It's gonna be the daddy of them all. Oh man, let's roll. <laughs> Yeah, so there's a massive multi-gang rumble going on in the jungle as a manta arrives and dispatches some judges on bikes to clear it up. But at the same time, those Y-bobs are rolling in with their gigantic stone rad tractors. Dude, it's so awesome. Just this fucking scene of like two or three of these killdozers just rolling through town, pushing giant mountains of cars out of their way. Gibson's really going crazy with these pictures, these killdozers causing trouble for sure. Um, yes, like they go on the highway and they're just like blasting off like all like 20 lanes of the highway, like cars smashed into them at like 200 miles an hour and stuff. It's crazy. Just people getting murdered. Like yeah. a lot of people. Including, um, like some of the, the Y Bobbers kids. Like, hey, Mavis, that's our Bob and his friends, you know? <laughs> I'm going to cut his allowance back. Like that was the threat. Hey, hey, no, no thugs in our mega block, Fox, all right? <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. Strict. <laughs> strict action against these youths exactly um so the judges are showing up there they they were like dropping stun gas and stuff on the guys on in the jungle but they get called away to deal with like this tractor emergency on the on the highway they can't shoot they can't shoot the drivers of the rad tractors well they did it once and they yeah sorry that was a mistake yeah because it vents deadly get deadly like radioactive gas contained inside the tractors within the immediate area and just kills everybody in like a hundred hundred meter radius it's just instant fallout, and it shows like a bunch of people standing near the blast, just being vaporized. Exactly. By radiation. Yeah. So that means judges are going to have to get them out the hard way. Uh, they're going to have to die hard on heavy heavy machinery. <laughs> Which I don't know I, what yeah, that one is. I can't imagine. I mean, is maybe that's uh, uh, what's that one where they shoot Bruce Willis onto a asteroid? But even then, Armageddon. Not... Nah, that's like that's like die hard yeah, like an asteroid, buddy. Yeah. I, is there anything where it's just like it's a big? I remember there was a Jackie Chan. There, there, there was a Jackie Chan movie where he fought on a bunch of like big um, 
industrial equipment, but I, th- I forget which one it was. Maybe like Rumble in the Bronx or something? I don't know. But anyhow, Dredd's going in. That's what's important. <laughs> I mean, he's going to do some cool stuff with a bike. Yeah. Jump onto a thing. Murder some kids. <laughs> of course. Dredd and company jump onto one of the rad tractors and with some awesome shooting take control of it. Meanwhile, another one veers off the highway and falls through the roof of the Alf Roberts Memorial Shopplex. Which, oh, oh my god, the, uh, just busting through the roof and just all these people just, oh, I guess we're all dead now. Just giant overwhelming damage on this huge cityscape. It's really, it's really like... We haven't really seen Ian Gibson do a, one of these really big war scenes since even like the first, like or like the second part of the first Robo Hunter story, almost. You mm-hmm. know, of just like where he's drawn this, these huge pages of massive carnage and these like really complicated like urban settings and th- stuff. It's really great. It really set into reality for me that you could just be shopping for cosmetics, perfume, and jewelry, and then a giant killdozer busts through a wall. Can't, can't stress how life, how cheap life is in Mega City 1, for sure. Just, you can't even stay home. Mm-mm. I should mention also, I've been falling down a little bit on some of my, uh, some of my block names, all right? <laughs> you know, um... <laughs> You know, James Dean, I feel like we all know. Uh, Morgan Fairchild was a soap opera star from, like, the 80s. Uh, Roy Orbison was, of course, the guy with the sunglasses who sang, like, Pretty Woman. And uh, Blue Velvet. And is famous for being wrapped in cling film. Um, and then, uh, you know, this the most recent one was uh, Alf Roberts, who was a character on Coronation Street. Because we just got a lot of Coronation Street stuff going on, generally, I mean, I think they're probably in 2008. You'd have to imagine. You'd have to. <laughs> um, the the judges take control of both rad tra- of, of both uh, uh, rad tractors, and they head over to the to the rumble to sort that out. Oh, this surrounded is so great. by bikes, H wagons, and mantas, the judges herd the juves around until they're caught between the blades of the two giant bulldozers, walled in and unable to escape, and they soon surrender. And then and, Judge Dredd's like, man, we need to get us some of these for the yeah. Justice Department. Add some of these to the armory as well. <laughs> a lot of, it's like, this is great. A lot of bulldozers in this episode, I must say. <laughs> I'm into it. Yeah. I'm into I'm into uh, a bulldozer taller than a skyscraper. <laughs> Just Super. bulldozing all the old uh, ruins of the city. From, uh, from a, a war that, that really just happened not too long ago. Yeah, like a, a year ago? Well, you know, it's hard to tell. Like, yeah, it took, it took, it took, it took like a week. So, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, like two years ago, maybe almost. <laughs> yeah. Next time on Judge Dredd, Bob and Carol and Ted and Ringo. Oh. It's dinosaur time. <laughs> oh, what? Really? That's right. Dude, I'm so into dinosaurs. Yeah, I like, yeah. I like dinosaurs and Judge Dredd. Remember when that one guy uh, ate dinosaur blood and he turned into a dinoman? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Blood of Satanus, buddy. It's a classic. Oh, that's right. That's oh yeah, that's right. He was totally a dinosaur from it's my favorite flesh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like fleshes. Well, it was the blood of fleshes of a uh, of old One Eye's son, I think. There's power in that blood. Yeah, that was a story that was, of course, written by uh, Pat Mills, whose last. Uh, Judge Dredd uh, story, at least so far. And speaking of Pat Mills, Fox, ooh, that oh. was a good one. <laughs> it's, 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 yeah, it's time for our Pat Mills Power Hour, starting with Thrill to Slain. Oh, man, let's just open to a really just grotesque body horror scenario. <laughs> Always. Yeah, so script robot Pat Mills, art robots Massimo Bellardinelli and Mick McMahon, letting robot Tom Frame. So, man, yeah, Slain super warped. Killing these half-dead zombies. The sleigh stack grows. This <laughs> is pretty good. The half-dead fall back as Maeve yells at Slane for rescuing her because she wanted to die in the Burning Man and didn't get an... And, uh, oh, sorry. She wanted to die in the Burning Man and she won't get enough until her legs are broken. And that is, yes, a third-eye blind. Being B-side. Don't, don't at me. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Slain is wow. non-stoked, but Oko is quick to lead him into a waterfall to cool off and de-warp. It's basically the equivalent of like uh, what Scarlett Johansson did to the Hulk in uh, like Age of Ultron. <laughs> That's pretty great. I I love how when he comes out the gate like this, the 
you know, Unko's just like, ah, man, she's real weird. And he's like, yeah, but she hasn't seen me as like a totally buff. Yeah. Handsome she hasn't seen me when I'm hot. So let's do that. <laughs> <laughs> it's like so great. Slain learns his father's fate as most of the rest of these of the survivors disappear, except for br- for blind Bran, who would appreciate a ride back to his hovel. Because, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm blind. Yeah. Maeve is also cleaned off, like, all, like, the paint and hair stuff she had for the sacrifice. And they go to meet her father. She's still pretty pissed about the oh, whole sacrifice. Oh, super pissed, thing. yeah. Her, she and her dad fight on the back of, of his mammoth. And Maeve explains once again that she wants to die in the Burning Man. And he's like, but you sent, you sent me word that you were going to die. And she was like, yeah, so you'd be proud of me? Jeez. She, she's like, bro, I was going to be married to a worm god and be a goddess. And you totally flubbed that for me. Yeah, yeah, you totally, uh, you totally C-blocked my godhood. Um <laughs> So, <laughs> don't ever see block someone's godhood. No, man, come on, be if there's be anything cool. That I, there's be cool about fire safety. Be, if cool, about, anything... be cool about goddess safety. Be, be cool. cool. <laughs> You're so, great. so she then uh, poisons her dad. Man, he dies. <laughs> she tr- then tries to threaten Slain with poisoning, but uh, you know, Slain just kind of kicks her off the side of the elephant and spurs it. And they're off. You know, and you don't got to deal like, with this, this stuff. Yeah. The perfect, I, I love this. This is the perfect way to deal with a crazy person situation that, like, is a witch slash sorcerer and, yeah. and is really pissed that they didn't get sacrificed. Like, I don't want to be a part of this storyline. Get out of here. Yeah. I'm out of here. You kick him off the side. Deuces. <laughs> They're enjoying the riches and drinking the wine aboard the mammoth when suddenly Slain stammers, his wounds are festering, and his body's growing crazy scales. And this is what happens when dead people bite you, even if you are warped as hell. Yeah, I mean, you know, you're still there, and you still got dead dude bites on you. Uh, so Slane's getting sick as the guards, as Maeve's guards gain on them. They So uh, Uko and Bran tossed all the riches of the mammoth down to slow down the warriors, because they're like, ooh, I'll take some by, gold. By the way, like, did you see the opening for this? They're, like, trudging along on the on the mammoth, and, mammoth elephant. And there's just like a bunch of minks running around, like eating rabbits. Yeah, like, there's, there's a, good, a just frontline shot. Yeah, I would call it like a Mark Trail esque like nature scene where they're just sort of like, yeah. listen, like we're doing this action, but let's have something to let's just have like some crazy like n- nature like all against all um, Hobbesian hellscape stuff in the front, you it's, know? It's real weird. I think it's fun just setting the scene of like, you know, so many of these slain ones open with these big splash pages. So I think it's fun when they try to have extra stuff going on in them, you know? Yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, Maeve is enraged that the warriors aren't chasing slain anymore. And when the guards start to get salty at her, she curses one of them to imagine he's being eaten alive by spiders. Dude, a spider crawls into his mouth and, and then, like, like the other ones are fucking with his eyes. Yeah, spins a web out of his, out of his eye sockets. He sang a song of spiders, and it made him go insane. Yeah. Four and twenty spiders baked into a pie. Oh, my God. <laughs> Maeve to- a, a man-shaped yeah. pie. That's right. Maeve tells the uh, the warriors to follow the mammoth and takes all the gold and stuff back to Matan. And at this point, they're like, yeah, okay, no problem. I mean, I see, I would just, like, peace out. I'd be like, I'm good on chasing him, just as long Man, as Man, I don't want to, they're trying, yeah, maybe. I don't want, like, some, I don't want to shirk my duty and have, like, some witch chase me around with the, with the uh, ancient equivalent of, like, a visa chargeback or something, you know? <laughs> <laughs> like... <laughs> Back then, they don't just give you, like, a one-star review on, like, the henchman app. They, like, kill you, you know? You gotta be careful. I'm just saying, like, you go back to Henchman HQ. There's a lot of henchmen there, right? Like, they can't hit you. Maybe. I think they can. Just don't say anything about it. Anyhow, they're, they're, they're following the mammoth. Um, to cover their trail, Uko's got to gather all the mammoth poop to cover their trail, which is pretty <laughs> I was, awesome. I was going to ask you, what the fuck is all the spore stuff about? But I guess how that's... Spore means poop, buddy. <laughs> when they yes. say, follow the mammoth spore to follow it, they're saying follow that mammoth's poop because it's a giant mammoth and it shits all the time. <laughs> Fair. That's, I mean, that's just a fact, you know? It is um, a very large mammoth. <laughs> 
Yeah. So they make it all the way back to Br- Blind Brand's hovel, where they put Slane into a healing pit, but he's in a bad way, especially as the guards approach. The only way to hide is to pull, use the old plague trick, as Uko gathers all the nasty stuff lying around Brand's hovel, and uses it to pretend to be dying of a terrible plague, which causes the guards to run. In the comical fashion of they're all trying to leave the same door at the same time, and they're mm-hmm. all stuck. It's great. Yeah. As they go, Slane wakes up, and he's feeling better, apparently, but is not stoked about Uko being all gross and sitting on top of him. <laughs> Especially when he's like, yeah, brain always beats Bran. It's like, I'll, I will destroy you. Oh, brain you. Uh, so Maeve's back at Drunmaton, and she's super pissed to magically see that Slane is still alive. Uh, Slaufeg, though, is less stressed. Yeah, he seems like he's like yeah, I'm not so worried about this situation. Look, I got I got these henchmen, man. I'll send these. I'll send my sword skull drones to handle it, man. It's no big deal. What is a big deal is that is to figure out what's to be done with Maeve now that she's still alive and not sacrificed to Crom Cronch. Um, <laughs> we look at some young priestesses doing some bow leaping, which I think canonically is way more like ancient Greek, Greek, or even like ancient, like from ancient Crete specifically, instead yeah. of Celtic stuff. But it's fine. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's cool looking. Yeah, the you know, girl gets trampled. You know, you win some, you lose some. But yeah, theoretically, <laughs> you use the bull's horns to jump over it, and it's like a metaphor for diplomacy and judo and stuff. Um, <laughs> you know, you're using your opponent's weight against them. Feels judo to me. A metaphor. Oh yeah, true. It's more like a demonstration, I suppose. But whatever. It's, it's more of like that's so awesome. How did you just do that? <laughs> I mean, you know, it's more, it's ironic in that Atlantis more set way. I think we can go with that one. That's um, so perfect. Yeah. So Maeve's new mission is to marry the king of one of the northern tribes and take them down from the inside. She get is a, first reverse stoked about this. Yeah, she's not stoked. Non, non rockin', totally rough. We get a list of the cool Celtic tribes, though. There's dudes who, like, yell into their shields to sound super loud. Pretty cool. Guys that specialize in fighting at night, so they're all, like, painted black and stuff. Pretty cool. And then there's Slane's tribe, who have a, has a bunch of stuff, like, they like being wounded and, like, cut their wounds bigger to be cool dudes or like how crazy yeah they only they can only cut their hair when they when they when they when they kill someone in battle so if you're hairy the hairiest guys are on the forefront which seems i don't know ready to kill (laughs) yeah and they get you know and their elite troops the guys in the red branch are deadly warped dudes and we see a couple cool examples of different kind of warping guys including one guy that looks like he's like getting ripped in half from the inside and is super awesome (laughs) i like the guy who's just like he's like a spider almost yeah yeah that guy's cool too um yeah but anyhow all these guys worship danu instead of a crown crown and for that they must pay seems obvious Maeve jumps a bull and swears to do it meanwhile Slane is on the mend as Uko continues to bleed him they need to make some money there's no work and even like the nearby flint mine has closed down because some guy named Domino is making iron weapons and possibly making them with dark powers and I guess like stone weapons. That's why they were doing the whole stone thing. I mean, also yeah. Slane really likes rat liver soup, so there you go. Right. Slane enjoys rat liver soup and axes made of stone. I feel like because like you know this is basically a Stone Age story. Like it takes place yes. like before the floods. It's pre Bronze Age. It's pre everything. You know, so this guy's got some pretty advanced technology to be doing iron, or it's not actually very good iron. You know, depending on on what's going on here. Um, mm-hmm. Although, in fact, it's just magic iron, so it's like, whatever. Um, finally, for Slane, Mick McMahon takes over on art as Uko has been hanging out with this Domino guy who, in fact, is another dwarf who used to work for the Titans, a brutal race of giant warriors that once ruled Albion, but eventually fell into decadence and decay and are now a vanishing race. And, like, Uko, and, like, in the narration, Uko says that they're gross and ugly, and Tharg has to apologize for Uko's uh, anti-Titan uh, rhetoric, which is kind he's of a, funny. He's a pretty racist dude when it comes to these giant yeah. stupid giants. Yeah, anti-Titan racist. Um, <laughs> before they died, though, they learned the secret of making iron weapons, and Domino learned this. Meanwhile, Uko is back to bleed Slain again, and Slain is not stoked about it. 
with the blood in like a bucket, Uko goes back to the village and Slane suspiciously follows him. He goes to this stone-walled house where it seems that Uko is selling his blood to Domhnall to make a mighty weapon, but now Domhnall isn't paying up. No, oh, hell no. Slane barges in to yell at Uko, and Domhnall offers him a weapon or some other item from his shop. Slane once again talks about how various things make someone effeminate. In this case, helmets <laughs> make you effeminate and make your hair fall out. Um, That's great. But um, anyhow, Slane's mostly interested and answered about this whole blood thing. He throws a giant brick at Uko, and under it, it's revealed that there's a whole bunch of skeletons. Not and great. Domhnall knocks Slane out by just hitting him into the side of that rock. And both of our guys wake up to find themselves tied upside down with Domino preparing to quench a mighty blade in Slane's chest. The Sword of Titans! Oh, there we go. I guess bleeding time again. (laughs) Always the right time to bleed. Uh, Next time, the writing on the wall! Pretty great. I love Slane, and it's only getting better. Uh, they were using blood to make uh, special magic weapons in this yeah, he, one. That's that's fucking cool. I'm it is pretty that. cool. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I know. Real fun Slane stuff this week for sure. Um, just some, yeah, just some adventuring, some uh, some sneakiness, some more development with what the drones are up to. Having a real good time here. My my favorite part is just kicking a witch off of a massive elephant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark style. Just like, ah, oh, I'm not dealing with this <laughs> kind <Sorry>. of things. <laughs> oh man, but let's so let's continue part two of the Pat Mills Power Hour, Fox. <laughs> oh my god, I am so goddamn excited. <laughs> yeah, with Thrill Three Nemesis the Warlock. Death to the Deviants. Yeah. Skiff Robot Pat Mills, Art Robot Kevin O'Neill, Letting Robot Steve Potter. So this issue starts with a giant double-page spread of huge murder bot Torca Armada. Do you know, Conrad, what I like more than nipple guns? Is it kneecap guns? Dude, you fucking nailed it. Is it giant robot cod pieces? Oh, I mean, it's <laughs> just the whole thing. Just, it's this huge double, you know, it's a double, you, you turn your comic sideways to get this full page, this full page picture of a uh, Torca Armada just in a, uh, in an orgy of giant robots doing stuff that we haven't seen since the days of George and ABC Warriors, where we had Dude, that as well. his feet are made out of giant boats with stone rollers at the bottom. I can't stress enough that he's got kneecap guns and sailing ship rollerblade feet. Um, <laughs> And inside the bot, we actually see that there's hundreds of humans toiling away, like turning the cap stands to turn those wheels, doing all kinds of stuff. They're just, they're just like a whole bunch of tiny, like a bunch of tiny ants in a, on a huge dude that's covered in ants, you know? (laughs) It is amazing because they lost the robot technology. So now they just, have a cadre like over like a couple hundred ripped dudes just uh yeah they gotta make up make up for the robot parts they can't make anymore (laughs) the 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 monstrous machine slaps into the donjon of the basilisks and nemesis is forced to consult his ancient spell book he summons a giant wind and it knocks Torka Armada's arm into the head of a nearby Mechquake. And Mechquake is pissed. This is a classic uh, pro wrestling kind of distraction where you force a team, uh, an uneasy tag team, like one member of a tag team to like punch some, punch another guy. And, and then they, they turn on each other. It's basically every Kane Undertaker story for the last 30 years. <laughs> it's, it's so ridiculous. And just to note that when he does his special wind powers, uh, right prior to this, they make a fart joke, oh, which I, I appreciate. Not, not to always gotta, yeah, gotta do those fart jokes, buddy. Um, <laughs> the robots fight amongst each other to the point that their human retreat is sounded. Um, again, you know, just the termites have very little knowledge of how robots work. So when they miss, so when they malfunction like this, they just have to let them fight it out, basically. Um, they do a whole, like, Three Stooges routine on each other. It's it's just full-on robot fighting as a Sinichel Everick looks on in despair. They pass the rope, the Firebot Fire Razor, and Torque Armada is set on fire! 
and he's just exploding. Like, it's two massive panels of just him in a burning inferno, people yep. falling out on fire, Everybody, yeah, and then abandoning just ship. his face. Uh, yeah. uh, his face just exploding, and all these like, people flying everywhere. Yeah, all the people, well, all the people inside of him start abandoning the robot, and that means that he starts losing control of himself, you know, because there aren't the people uh, running it and stuff. So fucking great. It's real awesome, yeah. Um, and so because of this, uh, yeah, the humans retreat. All is lost. But big as they jobs, big jobs. <laughs> as they do this, it seems that the wind also caused uh, the remains of the sacred symbol of the basilisks, Fangnar, to fall over. So and the basilisks also say, "Say all is lost." So yeah, man, Nemesis is having a bad day, Fox. Um, <laughs> Yeah, the, sometimes sorcery just doesn't work the way you want it to, you know what I mean? No, the basilisks are succumbing to the gray death and turning to stone. And meanwhile, Sir Everick is also having a bad day as the guy who's in charge of the ro- of the um, siege robots, Brother Hieronymus and Mechquake, are becoming increasingly disobedient. And his <laughs> Everick's son is starting to have second thoughts about uh, the whole aliens are actually monsters that must be killed thing. I mean, look at this. Look at this book. It's got a, got an alien who uses his giant foot as an umbrella. How bad could they be? <laughs> um, oh, that's so great. Everick nips this in the bud, though, because he's not going to have a son who's some alien-loving weirdo. <laughs> Back. Really wonderful. <laughs> Pretty good. Back at the Great Tree, Nemesis sees a uh, visits a human prisoner, one of the very few, because the Basilisks find humans so revolting they take very few prisoners. And he forces, yeah, and he forces her to tell her everything about Sir Everick, and that lets him form a plan. Mm. Yeah. What kind of dastardly thoughts does he have, Conrad? Sir Everick sleeps uneasily in his awesome alien skin-themed oh. bedroom. He's it just is. got, got alien, so alien skin rugs and alien skin bed sheets, alien, a big alien mouth like chair, chair and stuff. Yeah, I gotta say, I would. Great. The tongue is like your rolling out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would not sleep under covers that had a face on it. That freaks me out. <laughs> there, there are two things that I loved about this. The first is the giant plaque above his bed that says, Am I Pure? That's the good. The second is that in the bottom right corner, there is an hourglass, but instead of sand, it's dripping blood. That's awesome, too. Yeah, so anyway, in this bedroom, he is visited by Nemesis. Oh, Nemesis offers Nemesis bed stocking time. That's right. Yeah, he's gonna make Everett uh, Everett a deal. He'll make him brave, rich, young, and handsome. All he's got to do is call off the siege, and as a gesture of good faith, he'll do the first two right now. Have some gold, dude. It's uh, it's pretty great because like before this, because he was he was like trying to convince him for a moment, and then Everett just completely shuts down and starts just bitching about his job and like all this other stuff and nemesis is just there like oh yeah man oh that's so unreasonable so not fair and like one of the shots he's eye dropping like eye drops into his eye and stuff like that while he's responding to him it's real great him just being dismissive yeah he doesn't care he's got this plan um so Everick eagerly signs on the dotted line of Nemesis's obviously infernal contract. Um, Everick steps out and tells Brother Hieronymus that the invasion's off. They're heading back to Termite. Screw this, man. I'm going to go yell at Torquemada. He can't boss me around. I don't care. Pick up your robots and let's head out. Let's go. That's so great. As he does, oh yeah, he's getting younger, looking real rich, being real brave. As Nemesis chuckles, as he does this, Nemesis chuckles to himself in his evil way. Next time on Nemesis, big jobs. Some tells me things are not over with. Should be good. Yeah, man. Uh, always fun with Nemesis doing some magic stuff. Real awesome robot fighting in here. Like I, it's you know, it's hard to just. I don't. I don't really like doing just like a blow by blow. Of like what each individual move of the robot fight is, but sure. um, the showdown, be- but like the fight between like Mechquake and Torque Armada is real awesome. If you just like big robots crap hitting the crap out of each other, you know, man, it's great. It's like it's so fucking beautiful. Like just all of Nemesis is beautiful to look at. Yeah, as always, it's, you know, it's really hard not to just get distracted. <laughs> Story's funny. 
Like yeah. it's it's got like this this humorous element while also being just completely over the top. God, yeah. I love Nemesis. Yeah, I, I I really like in this in this section just the jumps between Nemesis and Everick and how they're both sort of having problems running their respective military organizations. You know exactly. Yeah, it's and speaking real. of yes, yeah, speaking of having a rough time, Fox, it's no. non drills covers a nerve center. So Prague three forty two talk. Dread interrogates the, the suspect in this Cam Kennedy cover. Um, teeny tiny nerve centers this week. Yeah, it's like ridiculously small. Yeah. In this, yeah, it's like a quarter of the page. Most of it's taken up by this giant ad for a Forbidden Planet selling a bunch of 2000 AD graphic novels and t-shirts and stuff. Uh, there's also on the bottom half of the page, there's a order, there's a place to order a complete stamp collector's outfit, which. Snore. I feel like we haven't talked about stamp collecting in a really long time, but it does, in fact, remain present in the comics. <laughs> it's like, I, I mean, it must have been just such a huge thing. I I don't know, man. 2000 AD is powered on Judge Dredd and stamp collecting ads. <laughs> <laughs> in Prog 3, 343, it's Clash of the War Droid as Torka Armada and Mechwick battle it out so awesome. in a very a orange cover. Opener. Yeah, with giant can openers, just a lot of robot fighting. Um, then there's another teeny tiny nerve center. They have apparently all been stolen by the dictators of Zrag. And uh, this one has a sweet picture of a uh, Tharg the heavyweight, which I like a lot. <laughs> it's real good. This is reading 2008. Yeah, rolling on his belly wheel. There's also a big ad for like a mini arcade game thing. You gotta enjoy your own material, you know? Man, I wish I could listen to this podcast more. Uh, <laughs> you I can't kind of do twice. I mean, I I, li- you know, I make it and I listen to it when I'm editing it, but ooh, I I don't like to go back that much. <laughs> <laughs> I just it's just hear your own voice mostly. I think. Um, yeah. Prog three forty four created by robots consumed by humes, and <laughs> it's two thousand AD, and now Rogue is going to be consumed by this giant alien monster man three-headed weird snake with tentacles underneath yeah. its mouth it's I don't gross know. yeah it's 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 the one full-size nerve center this episode the only time we had letters and stuff as a tharg the helm and that's helm like the boat not rogue trooper <laughs> tells us about their plan how they're starting to make their plans for things to come because it's almost 1980 1984 excuse me there are pictures of Chira, wife, is ne- so wife of Nemesis, which is real nice, and Barrack, a space mercenary, which I've got some, uh, my tracing sense is tingling, I guess. Yeah, um, a little bit. Man, but- also, I just want to call it the Chira was drawn by Earthlet Hugh Hughes. You're, Ooh, I mean, shame cool on your parents. They just couldn't think of it, I guess. Um, fair enough i don't want to make fun i don't like making fun of these kids names man they gotta live not as i'm not making fun of this kid i'm just like you don't you don't double name your child that's so not nice if i i'd call that guy double h and it'd be real cool um oh that's great (laughs) um all the letters are basically about how awesome prog 335 was and i gotta agree that was an awesome prog strong freaking agree like you know just had the return of uh nemesis and strong team dog you gotta love that it's hard not to. Yeah. At the um, 335. Mm-hmm. Mid-prog, there's an ad for the Philips video game Terrahawks, which I'm kind of, I, you know, I agree with your, with your raspberry. I just want to say that it's funny because the bad guy in it is named Zelda. So it's like, uh. well, I have to kill Zelda to succeed, which is kind of funny just in terms of like video games of this era, you know, because we've got Legend of Zelda, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I feel like it, it I, I don't know. It's a chuckle there. for me. Um, just give me a break. There's also a giveaway for cool toys and just a terrifying amount of KP spacers at the end of the prog. You get like 30 packages of KP spacers. Alien Jesus. spacers in this case. I got, I got a chance to try some, uh, some, I think space invaders or something that, that someone who went, who, who did it, who took it at my office, who took a trip to England and brought a bunch back, um, had. Okay. I had, uh, the beef flavor ones and they're fine. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm not used to like a corn poof, I guess. So it was, it, you know, it's they're kind of Cheeto esque, but with not without without cheese dust, you know. Yeah, they they have a lot of savory flavor in the UK, as as we've talked like about so many times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all it's all savory stuff. Way less cheese than you have in America. Just way less dairy 
in general Cron than you have in America. Prawn sauce by the way, is the weird one for me. Oh, I feel like pickled onions and like all the curry ones too. I mean, I like curry, but that still seems weird for a snack. <laughs> Anyhow. <laughs> Now, now we're about to have a giant Twitter conversation. Uh, shout oh, out to uh, shout out to all my uh, to all my uh, let's talk about uh, food on our on our comic book podcast peeps out there. Dude, um, just saying it's possible. It's good times. Prog three forty five. Malik Brood is punching Johnny Alpha around in a, in this great Ascara cover. This one shows up a lot. I feel like just in terms of having a good Johnny Alpha cover. Mm. Um, in another quarter-sized nerve center, Tharg Dracula directs traffic for upcoming thrills, like, you know, like, oh, here's this one stopping, this one's about to start, blah, blah, blah. There's also an ad for hobby casting, which seems like you make toy soldiers from mold and, like, your own molten metal, which seems really awesome as a Warhammer Whoa. guy, I guess. They, like, sell the molds, and you just got to do stuff with that, which seems awesome. That's... Um, Awesome. Yeah. And then this prog ends with another contest. This time captioned the cover of prog uh, 293 when Tharg played the Zrags in video games. And then you could win three Activision games, uh, Enduro, River Raid, and Robot Tank for the Atari. Captions ho! Uh, uh. <laughs> I, I have not played those games. I, no, what, they, I, I'm, I'm curious about what River Run might be. They aren't even... River Raid, and yeah, they aren't even really or like River the Raid. the famous like Activision games of this era, which I would say more is like Pitfall for number yeah, one like, for sure. God, Pitfall was so great, yeah, classic. Um, and speaking of classics, Fox, yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's Thrill Four Strontium Dog. Strontium strong agree. God, mm-hmm. I love you, Johnny Alpha. It's even so if you good. are space crazy. He's definitely space crazy. Uh, scripture about Alan Grant, art about Carlos Scare, letter about Jack Potter. So yeah, so Johnny Alpha's space crazy. Space crazy with grief and guilt. <laughs> He confronts the evil necromancer Malik Brood that he basically just better bring Moses Quest back to life or there'll be consequences. Dude. Malik seems more amused by threatened with this, but he goes along anyway. Arise, Moses Quest. And he does. I, I guess that's all the magic spell that you need. Wave your hands around and just say arise. I mean, when you're good enough at magic, you know, you don't got to do a lot of stuff. Um, I'm just saying you could, like, showmanship is, like, like, 95% of magic. It's part of what makes this guy so evil is that he refuses to do sh- sh- uh, showmanship. <laughs> no, that's fair. Moses seems pretty good. And so our guys head out to the ship, and as Malik's brothers warn them that they'll be sorry, as you do, the trio heads back to the ship, flies away, things cool, things seem cool, but Moses soon loses some of the spring in his step as the ship heads back, and Wolf worries that Moses is, in fact, Dare Space Zombie! <laughs> it's almost as if Malik Brood is a totally bad dude. Yeah, I was thinking some kind of space douche. Um, the dogs... <laughs> <laughs> the dogs are headed back to Nomi's world, and man, that boy is a zombie! <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, if you didn't think he was a zombie before, the like sunken eyes and the yeah. thousand yard stare. <laughs> totally. Yeah, Johnny can't see it though, because again, he's got the space and he's got the space madness. As they arrive on the planet and walk into town, the people seem pretty happy at first, but Mrs. Quest is not pleased at her dead son now being her dead zombie son. (laughs) (laughs) And the town turns on them. Uh, Are you surprised? Like, I mean, I guess space crazy Johnny Alvarez, but no one Mad with space grief. (laughs) (laughs) A lynch mob forms, and Johnny and Wolf are dragged to the nearby scaffold, Johnny unable to even fight back. The boys have nooses on. May the Lord have mercy on their souls. On their black souls, I should say. The lever is pulled, and they're dropped! Oh man, what's gonna happen? Yeah, the dogs are about to be hung. Sorry, rewind just a little bit. The dogs, the dogs about to be hung as the bottom drops there, but, uh, but as the bottom of the scaffold drops, their ropes are shot away! It's Martha Quest! Oh my god, she's doing a, saving them? Yeah, I want to say just one thing quick about this uh, hanging is that I wonder if they're that they weren't worried about like parents or something because I can't help but notice that the that the uh, that, that that Johnny and Wolf don't have nooses around their necks. 
Yeah, like, I was they about seem to, to be... mention that. It looks like it's around their their uh, arms. Well, yeah, like it's connected to their wrists that are tied behind them or something. Maybe they you don't make show a noose. I would not be surprised if they if they would if they were worried about getting in trouble with showing characters with nooses around their necks being hung, um, just because kids like, like are that, dumb. But that's like a thing in in the okay UK people can totally like give me this like the whole point of like Guy Fox Day was he was like one of the last dudes hung right I mean not the whole point of it obviously but he's I mean check my facts at the door I guess but like hanging hanging is a thing that happened a lot in the UK past a certain or yeah but like you know being set on fire is a thing that happens everywhere but kids will still do that when they (sighs) see it on TV you know so don't so don't show a man or a zombie man dousing another man in gas (laughs) I mean yeah you get in trouble for it you know That's fine. So we never have. It's, it's why we. It's why uh, we can't have our Harlem Heroes three. You know, such garbage. <laughs> Anyhow, yeah, Martha Quest shot him down. There's been enough killing, and even if the do- even if the strong team dogs turned their boys into turned her boy into a zombie, they zombie fight him for the right reasons as opposed to for the wrong reasons. Uh, Moses is at last dead. Martha killed him at the end of last Prague, it seems. But now, With Malik, love, my yeah, name she 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 hugged him to death. Uh, and now Malik Brood is gonna pay for tricking Johnny, and this time he's got to go alone. Mostly Over- so that Wolf isn't tagging along, saying you're being dumb, man. Yes, yeah, so that well, just so that you know, I think he expects to die here, so doesn't want Wolf to die as well. You know, it's a good thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess when you're going up against a space wizard, sorcerer, what's there? Is it in Sorcerer that are the bad ones, or is that, it's like a warlock? It's like a space Man, warlock. Yeah, all of them are evil depending on the situation, you know? Like, I don't, <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't want to blow anyone's minds here, but to me, like, the terms wizard and sorcerer do not have an inherent morality in them you know i mean warlock does like warlock kind of implies some evilness but a sorcerer can be a good guy or a bad guy all right i'm into that yep unless you're in my D campaign because you gotta be cool anyhow um <laughs> so johnny arrives at the island of the living dead as malik awaits him the reanimated heads of his brothers ask what's up and apparently it's all part of his game johnny arrives and calls brood out and brood reveals that his soul-sucking death blade thing Gets maximum nourishment when it drinks the blood of an angry man. And now Johnny's plenty angry. I mean, I guess, like, your whole plan was to make him mad so you could stab him. That's right. Johnny is less than impressed by all this and comes up shooting. So, it's showdown time. Johnny throws everything he's got at Malik Brood. Number three cartridges and time bombs. But Malik just throws it, just throws it back. He's unaffected. Finally, Johnny... Hits him with the electro flare and punches Malik Brood in the face. The electro nucks. So great. Brood is now close enough. He goes to stab Johnny with his soul sucking death blade, but Johnny Alpha dodges and Malik Brood instead stabs that ball and chain that represents the endless burden of his sins magically attached to him instead. And I guess, like, when you stab the ball and chain that holds all of your sins inside of it you just start to melt under the weight of your own horribleness yeah because he stabbed it with his soul sucker blade you know it would have sucked johnny's soul out but instead it sucks all that guilt out and jams it right into malik brood so you just turned to goo yeah i mean just like how you know it's he just basically just dumped a bunch of sugar into his gas tank essentially like oh my gosh like he's got nothing left now you know but then everything else that he's ever done also turns to goo i feel like the head's really lost out on that deal i mean well they were only kept alive because of his fell magic dude that's what fell magic's for (laughs) keeping your brother's heads alive and when it's gone your brother's heads are out of here no, that's fair enough. <laughs> yeah, with Blue destroyed, his evil empire of the living dead starts to melt and decay around him. Johnny blasts one of his statues and heads out, feeling like his space madness has finally passed. The end. And uh, Strong Team Dog will return, not next episode, but the episode after that with Prog 350, The Killing. Sweet. I'm really excited for The Killing. It's a real good story. 
I'm um, I'm really excited that we're getting Strontium Dog back after a short stint. So absolutely, <sighs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Strontium Dog, Dog is going to be so stuck. Good. Is going to be with us for a little while. Like we're basically going to start '84 with what I like to call uh, Mount Rushmore 2000 AD, which is um, Dread, Rogue Trooper, Strontium Dog, and uh, Slain. Like those four guys all at once. That's Mount Rushmore 2000 AD. Oh, it's so beautiful. Heady days. Oh, that's a pun. Anyhow, um, <laughs> <laughs> oh man. But speaking of uh, yeah, of singing songs or whatever. I don't know. Um, we yeah, go. You're good. Or just feeling real confident like I am after I've done all these transitions this episode. It's <laughs> been on point. Thrill 5, Rogue Trooper. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Rogue learned some lessons. Script robot Jerry Finley Day. Art robots Baluda and Cam Kennedy. Lettering robot Tony Jacob. So uh, Rogue is helping out these minos. Uh, Southers trapped. Inside a giant Norton minefield, he's helping them escape. But specifically, Bagman is guiding them to safety as Rogue is taking down approaching Nort troops. Um, I've noticed a typo on this page. Where, really? <laughs> yeah, where, well, it just says, um, like, where they, they have to take the, where like they, they, they have to be careful of some towers and it's towers with an apostrophe, so like whatever. But I'm feeling pretty uh-huh. confident about it. Um, Rogue <laughs> fights the, and the Minos march and soon they're all safe. Rogue offers to guide them back to Souther lines. But now from escaping the minefield, they've gotten so much self-confidence. They just tell Rogue to go screw. <laughs> it's really horrible. They're like, we're going to be lauded as heroes and you can just like buzz off. Yeah, we don't it's need like, your right. help, blue dude. The Minos are in high spirit <sighs> as they approach a nor- a Souther forward base. As Bagman tells Rogue that, hey, like this zone is full of North booby traps. Heads up. Indeed, the whole base turns out to be one giant mine that the Minos walk right onto. And you know, hey, uh, you win some, you lose some, and you don't need to see a big hole in the ground to know that New Earth is the pits. Oh man, I guess. <laughs> yeah! It won't be fooled again! I guess they, uh, I guess they got their, uh, explosive infamy. I guess they marched right into that one. Um, <laughs> it's ridiculous. Um, oh, that's so anyhow, really good. Um, Rogue arrives the Morak Desert and the southern, ba- the souther base of Cairo City. But as he's arrived, he's instantly ID'd as a deserter and has to run. He makes his I way. Mean, he's the only blue dude. He stands so. out. Yeah. He makes his way to Gazbah, where uh, the dirtiest chem clouds in, in, in the city gather. Rock the Gazbah. Rock by, by the Gazbah. Oh, beautiful. In the crazy New Earth gas shroud. Tune beautiful. <laughs> I'm, whatever, I'm trying to think of the rest ones. But indeed, Rock the Gazbah. Oh. <laughs> it's uh, it's mostly where off-worlders are confined, as we see some super awesome rogue trooper aliens. This is all done by Cam Kennedy. Cam Kennedy draws some fun aliens. Yeah, I like I like all these alien dudes. Yeah, at the Rixba cat uh, cantina, we see which I, Rixba feels like a a reference to Rix from um. Casablanca, for the record. Um, but we they do a, make a lot of Casablanca jokes in this. There's a lot of Casablanca stuff in here. Uh, we see a human bartender and a bubble dancer, which is a lady in a bikini and a see-through air suit, which is weird. That thing's got to be sweaty. Um, the <laughs> bartender says he's a chem vet, which is a guy who's been permanently like uh, disabled by um, the chemicals in the new Earth air. And, and he so really he doesn't al- like GIs, I guess. But he's also been like kicked out of the service, so he, he the only place he can find a, a safe place to live is here in the Gazba. Suddenly, a bunch of big aliens, speaking brutal, which Bagman translates, uh, show up and they want to kick Rogue out. Naturally, a, bra- a brawl breaks out, but Rogue comes up ahead. Uh, he talks to another alien, which is the uh, the shortening of alien. <laughs> That's like derivative to stuff. Needed to make it shorter, right? Yeah, he talks to the Ailey. It's it maybe Ali, but probably Ailey about getting out of the city safely. Meanwhile, mysterious figures worry that Rogue showing up could endanger the plan. 
Uh, I, uh, look, the Norts are in a place again. Yeah. Rogue gets a room at the Alien Tavern, playing, paying with a gold micro bar from Bagman. The Bubble Dancer offers to keep Rogue company, but no dice, because he's just had real bad experiences with every woman he's ever met, uh, betraying him. Most recently, Venus Blue, J- Blue Jeans, but also, uh, Sister Sledge. Foreshadowing. Uh, indeed. I mean, you know, it's more just sort of like, yeah, it's just, it's it's less foreshadowing and more just like shouting for like you've hit a golf ball at somebody. Um, <laughs> Rogue is taken. That's that's pretty funny. By the way, uh, Rogue is taken to room eight, but it's apparently already taken as well as room six and seven by this one big alien. So Rogue gets another weird, room. Weird tentacle monster. I love it. Rogue gets another room and stretches out, but in the night, an alien is paid to unleash a three-headed murder snake into Rogue's room. Good thing he's got a gun that can shoot itself. Yeah, luckily Gunner easily takes it down. Rogue bursts out the window and runs after the assassin and corners him. But before he can talk, he gets hit in the gut by a dagger, unable to reveal his plan. He's been um, Attack of the Clones. Oh, wow. But like Attack of the Clones, the dagger has um, Nort markings on it. So it's one of these things where like, um, yeah, like you don't let the, uh, the assassin talk, but you do sort of give up the ghost about who you're working for and like hey why not just kill the guy who the assassin was trying to kill you want that guy dead like why don't you just kill him this time anyhow but whatever (laughs) all i'm saying is that it's a blues clue right indeed paw print on the lady paw print on the on the knife we're just looking for that third clue to figure out what what blue's trying to tell us yeah absolutely um oh wow that's weird because he's also blue (sighs) whoa my mind is blown. Um, I feel yes. like we're the only ones who are going to get this Blue's Clues reference. Don't worry about it. The Norts are definitely planning something, Fox, as always, and Rogue might ruin it, as always. Um, but it doesn't matter, because tomorrow is D-Day, and the Norts will rule this whole planet. Oh, man, we're going to do more Nort stuff. That's right. Rogue realizes, like, yeah, yes, indeed, this is another. He is stuck in the middle of another sneaky Nort invasion. As the invasion begins by some mysterious parties, um, Rogue picks up Stamel odor, which are those cool genetically engineered camels that the Norts ride around on. Stamels he, are great. He goes to investigate an alien at the Casbah uh, that turns out to be a dirty Nort. He. Uh, <laughs> He t- the the alien takes the bubble dancer hostage and Rogue is forced to surrender at least until he has Gunner fire at a specific angle to ricochet a bullet into the Nort. And man oh man, that guy's head just gets shot through real it's bad. Pretty good, yeah. He's not quite human, so it's okay to show him getting his head blown off. Exactly. Um, the bubble dancer offers some gratitude, but instead Rogue goes to check the body. It's a genetically engineered Nort to look like an alien. It's carrying a message pod, which confirms there's a Nort plan on. A the Nort plan pod, going on. By the way, has lips. Yeah, it's weird. Um, Rogue goes to do something about it, but and he, um, but he starts to like fade out. His brain starts to fade away as he approaches a Souther checkpoint, and even there, he sees that the troops that are stationed there are frozen in place. Suddenly, he's surrounded by Nort spies and learns that they've deployed Virus X to take him out. He's already full of it. But how is it introduced to his system? It was the Bubble Dancer, cause her chem suit was covered in, um. Virus X and it got Rogue sick. You can't trust those dames. Even even some random unnamed dame is still a Nord agent. Oh, she'll, she'll dance. dance. She'll, go yeah. ahead. She'll dance on his grave. She's so angry she at was a dancer. She's so angry at Rogue just because he's rebuffed her advances a bunch. It's ridiculous. I mean, <laughs> like she can't be that mad given the fact that she definitely just like fucking wanted to poison him. Yeah, and like, I don't know about this bubble dancing stuff. Anyhow, next time on Rogue Trooper, Unlikely Allies. Oh, alright then. Yeah, and with that, we're done with all of our thrills for this November and December 1983, Progs 342 to 345. Fox! Whoa. What were your top and bottom thrills? I must know. Oh, man. Uh, I must know. God, I... I... (laughs) Kind of give it some thought, really. I mean, so, so here's the deal: like everything's once again so great, and I hate that. 
It's tough. <laughs> it makes, yeah. It's, it, it's an embarrassment of, of goddamn riches. I mean, I, like, this is what I'll say. Like, so my clear victor is mm-hmm. going to be Nemesis the Warlock because right. Nemesis the Warlock is not just beautiful. It's just so rich in all of the contexts of description and of, of how, how it gives space to things so that you could see how creepy a dude's bedroom is. <laughs> like, there's just a lot of attention to detail in it. Um, that none of the other stories necessarily lack, but uh, like it's just so strikingly beautiful. And to yeah. be mindful of this, they they're putting it smack dab into the middle of this comic, right? Which, oh yeah, as we know, is is kind of the glory position. Yeah, that makes it this, um, that sort of marks it as the as the top comic. I'd say, like right now, I'd say like the uh, yeah the uh, the rankings that you got your top story in the middle, so it gets that color page. You got mm-hmm. your number two story in front, and you got your number three story at the end. Yeah, exactly. And and again, like all of these stories are excellent. The only reason why I would say it wasn't um, slain is that uh, you know we got I think we got like kind of a flashbacky sort of thing again. Like I I don't need them to tell me Stop about. Stop hating that about slain. That's always what slain's going to be, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> I, it's, I, it's, no, I it's fine. It, like what you like. I Sorry. Got, I got it. I got it. No, no, no. It's all good. I, I got a nitpick. You yeah, that's fine. That's like part of my thing. I, yeah. the, the thing is, is that I love Slain because I love barbarian stories and I just don't want to hug Slain and watch him on the TV as like a, as uh, old Arnold or young Arnold Schwarzenegger plays him in a, a film series where he just becomes a weird, grotesque creature. <laughs> Every now and then. That's no, excellent. For bottom, ooh, hoogee paloogee, man. I, I don't know. I, <laughs> I'll i put it, I'll put it to, God, so this is really horrible. So I, I talk a lot about how I like wizardry and how I like marriage of wizardry in space. I'm going to give it to Strontium Dog. Um, only in that, like, I felt like Brood is a fairly weak villain. And it's like, uh, mm. like the story itself is not bad, especially given like the turnaround with the mom and, and all of this stuff. But, um, yeah, I just, I'm, I'm not super impressed with the dude. He was just like, I'm, I'm, I'm 100% confirmed for evil. Uh, and then, you know, he just dies and that's fine and all, but like, could, he could have been a little bit more awesome. I feel like that said, <sighs> it was really good. He stabbed a spike ball that turned him into a melt man. Like, <laughs> I can't really ask for much more than that. So how about you, Conrad? Why, why, you know what? You, you're sitting here. You're listening to me talk about these comic books, man. It's my tops and bottoms. But you know what? I really want to know, like, personally. I want to get What's down that, buddy? on the same level as you. You know, I really mm-hmm. want to get I want to get emotional. What are your right. bottoms? Whoa, oh, what are my top and bottoms? This oh, question yeah, has come out of nowhere. Um, <laughs> okay, so I'm going to say my bottom is a rogue trooper. Not okay. super feeling it, this one. Um, I do like Cam Kennedy's aliens. Those are really mm. neat. Um, I guess maybe I'm not super feeling this Kaz, this Agasba yeah. setting that much, I guess. Like, the, it feels kind of like it's just another one of these, like, oh, these Norts are being sneaky kind of things. I just feel like we've done a little bit. And I mean, is <laughs> done a obviously, lot of bit. obviously is the nature of Rogue Trooper, so it's hard to complain too much, but like, you know, I don't know. Especially just coming off of all the Trader General stuff. It's sort of like, oh yeah, here we are back to form, you know. Um, mm-hmm. Then, for my top, I am going to have to throw mud in your eye, Fox, and say that my top is oh. Strong Team Dog. How dare you have, um, have an opinion. <laughs> I really liked Malik Brood as this evil, um, taunting necromancer bad guy. I thought that was a real, real neat and interesting direction to take Strontium Dog, which, like, I guess... T- t- I don't super think of as being a real supernatural story, although obviously that they've been to hell and stuff. So it's sort of interesting with that. Um, Hell's a dimension. Yeah, that's true. I really like the showdown between Mm. Johnny Alpha and and Malik Brood in that, like, fight. Yeah, where he just doesn't care about a lot of the stuff that is really stable. And, like, and I also really like just kind of the emotion with, um, Johnny and Mrs. and Miss Quest and all those guys. Um, that was a very, like, you know, shooting the guys down there being hung and all that stuff. That's sort of, even with all this wizard stuff, it still helped 
Strontium Dog sort of stay true to its kind of space western sort of roots, I guess. It's beautiful. There so, was even a not really lynching. Yeah, and I just feel like, you know, I sort of said last time there was a lot of big setting up one. I just really liked, yeah, like I liked sort of the image of the space lynching. I really liked uh, Zombie Moses Quest. That was really great. Um, I just thought that it, it was a fun story, and I and I really appreciated it. Yeah, I, I will say Nemesis is 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 second for me. I just love the yeah Kevin O'Neill's art's really amazing. The story's really fun. Um, so it's sort of very close, close, close second. Oh, and man. yeah, it's all you know, it's all awesome. Again, like That's, I said, this is we're, yeah, exactly we're deep in these in these golden progs. You know, it's just like well, okay, but like you know, there's no like bad one. You know, like all these ones are yeah. real fun. It's really just like, you know, which awesome thing do I want to look at first? And right now, you know, it was finishing up Strontium Dog. It was getting Nemesis and all that stuff. Oh, man. I, I just love all of these. Every time I crack it open, I actually, you know, sometimes it, it you know, it takes me roughly about two hours to read through most of the comics that we do. Right. Mm-hmm. Like given space for getting water and, and doing other bodily functions and like stretching sure. my legs a bit. <laughs> but, uh, but recently, like, especially with these, I can pour through them in like an hour, hour and a half, depending. Right. Like you just get pulled through seeing what's <sighs> coming next. Like wanting to see the next thing and stuff. Yeah. It I, I agree. You awake, like every time you, you sort of change stories and, um, it, it really has my spirits high for, like, what to expect for the next couple of years. Yeah, I mean, you know, definitely this is the time to start storing positive experiences for when we reach the uh, the, the, da- the uh, dangerous mountains of uh, the mid-90s. But anyhow, <laughs> I hope Great. everybody enjoyed the show. As always, you can find Space Spinner 2000 on iTunes, Stitch, or the Google Play Store, or on our podcast site at spacespinner2000.com. Feel free to contact us at spacepinner2000 at gmail.com on the 2080 forums or on our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter pages. On Twitter at spacepinner2k for everything else, just look up that spacepinner2000, man, that's us. And then, oh, hell yeah. come back next time as future shocks return, Dread has a dinosaur problem, yes. Nemesis makes a deal, Slane <laughs> handles the shoggy beast, and Rogue Trooper slips through time. What? Wait, really? Yeah. Until then, I'm Conrad, he's Fox, and we are Space Spinner 2000. Splendid for three!